Chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, we're making our way through every morsel of chapter 4. Um, I'm going to read to you our text tonight in just a minute, but remember we've been talking about the fivefold ministry gifts. How many are excited that Jesus gave us gifts? Any, anybody gifted out there? Uh, don't be shy on me now. Anybody gifted out there? People are shaking their head no. Everybody's got a gift. Everybody. Jesus didn't shortchange anybody. He didn't say, get, get off the line, no gift for you. Amen. He's not the soup guy that says, no soup for you. No, Jesus gave all of us gifts. Amen. So, you know, some of us have gifts that are obvious. Some of us are discovering gifts. And there's always gifts to be uh, discovered and unveiled for different seasons. So don't... Uh, don't ever think, well, this is it, this is what I do, this is all I do, and this is all I'll ever do. God uncovers and unlocks and activates gifts for the proper time, amen? So uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 4. We looked at the fivefold ministry gifts, and now we're finding out, you know, how they're used and how they're, what their application is and what their purpose is. So let me read you verses 14 through 16, and by God's grace, we're going to cover that tonight. Chapter 4, book of Ephesians starting in verse 14. Father, we thank you for this text, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open it up to us. Open up the eyes of our understanding and allow us to see with our spiritual eyes, verses 14 through 16, in Jesus' name, amen. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body being fitly and held, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Verse 16, we're going to look at in one big chunk, but let me just read to you verse 14 and 15 again that we're really going to dissect here. As a result, we are no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ. So let's unpack all of this tonight here. We covered the fivefold ministry gifts. Hopefully you know them all by now and you could tell me something about them. I was almost thinking of doing like a time where, you know, we just had some feedback here to see if this is soaking in. Amen. Uh, we need to be like sponges and soak in the word. Amen. Sometimes we're like rocks, though. But, you know, water will change a rock, too. It just takes longer. Ever pulled a rock out of a stream or a river? It's smooth. How's that happen? The water will do it. So. Whether a rock or a sponge, you know, it's better for us if we're sponges and we soak it up. But the Holy Spirit can work with a rock, too. So the gifts are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I'm not going to take the time to give you something on each of those, but you should know them all now, and you should know, the, the, you know what the details of the gifts are. Last session, we learned about the purpose of the gifts in verses 12 through 13. And the purpose was to equip the saints to build up the body to produce unity that comes in Christ, amen, and an intimacy with Jesus. That's important. We don't just know about Jesus. We've got to know Jesus. Someone say amen. 
You know, a lot, a lot of times people come from religious places where they know all about Jesus. And they even know scriptures. They, they know facts about the resurrection. All these things they know about Jesus. But, you know, you come out of religion into relationship and then you get to meet him and actually know him. And that's important. So, you know, the, the fivefold gifts help people know Jesus, the, the, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet. They, they introduce people to Christ and they build them up so that they can be mature saints. So intimacy with Jesus and then Christian maturity. Maturity is important. Amen. Uh, children are cute, but not when they're 50 or 60 years old. You know, spiritually, some people are old and they're still acting like children babies amen paul said he said you you're, you're you're still babies you still need milk you should be eating meat by now you should be teaching by now paul you know you could feel paul's frustration there he's like all that i poured into you so maturity is an important thing we have to embrace it verses 14 through 16 give us more detailed description of how christian maturity works and how it looks and how the fivefold ministry gifts you know are supposed to make you know people you know from lost people to found people to save people to mature christians amen it's a process that sanctification process so uh, you know these verses that we're looking at here are going to help us to see how this process happens now um understand when someone is mature you're going to be able to tell by the way they behave by the way they sound and the way they look. If you're taking notes, write that down because the rest of what I'm going to teach tonight is going to, is going to backfill that. It's going to fill that in. A mature person, a mature Christian will show their maturity by the way they behave, by the way they sound, and the way they look. Okay? So how does a saint become mature? Remember, we get saved. We're covered in the blood of Jesus. We're no longer sinners, but we're redeemed, and now we're saints of God. The Holy Spirit's working on us. We go from baby Christians to mature Christians. And according to verse 14, this process comes as a result uh, of something. It says, as a result, we are no longer children. So it's a result of something. You say, well, what's the result of? It's the result of sitting under the ministry gifts, amen? You don't reach maturity all by yourself in your closet, surrounded by nobody but you, amen? This is why the people say, well, I, I believe in God, but I don't need to come to church. Well, how are you going to grow? Where are you going to learn to serve? Where are you going to see models of ministry? Where are you going to sit under the depth of anointed teaching? Where are you going to give? It's amazing, these people, oh, I can just stay home. I don't, know. I don't need the church. I don't like organized religion. Well, we're very disorganized. You can come hang out with us. It's not true. We're pretty organized around here, but my wife is cringing on the front row. She's like the organizational wizard. She will not tolerate disorganization. But, you know, pe people make all these excuses, but the truth is you got to sit under the gifts if you want to be mature, and that's the point of it here. You know, you, you, all of us start off as babies, and, and, and that's the truth. You know, all of us start off needing uh, milk and needing to be taught and trained, and we need visual examples, amen? How, how many people learn from what they see? Man, I, I can watch something and almost, I can watch something and almost just do it. But, you know, if I'm reading or someone's trying to explain it to me or it's in the directions, man, I got to turn them upside down a couple times. But if I can watch it, amen. So that's the thing. As Christians, we, we come together and we watch the gifts in action and they bring us to a place 
of maturity as a result of what? Sitting under the gifts. You know, and the truth is that, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is working on us, using the gifts around us to encourage us and provoke us and disciple us. But unfortunately, it's possible to attend church regularly and never reach spiritual maturity. In that some of us have come for churches that, you know, the depth of the teaching is not anything but superficial or th- there's no move of the Holy Spirit. There's no, uh, you know, there's no repentance. There's no salvation. There's no conversion. It's just religious stuff. And you can sit there forever and never reach spiritual maturity. You can sit in a church where all of that stuff is happening and resist the, the Holy Spirit and still not reach maturity. Maturity is not just, you know, showing up and, you know, you're, you're marked present. Oh, if you're absent, you don't grow. But no, you have to do more than just show up. I'm thankful that you showed up. The sun is shining today. A lot of people didn't show up. There's a lot of, I understand. But, you know, it's more than showing up. We can sit in church forever and never reach spiritual maturity. All of us start off as spiritual babies, None of us were born having it all together, having our theology all squared away with a depth of understanding, you know, with a full uh, ability to discern and understand spiritual things and to identify the, the move of the Holy Spirit, to identify the, the work of darkness. No, we, we all grow into that, amen? Is anybody born fully grown? I want to talk to your mother. We tease my dad. We say, Dad was born with that mustache. We've never seen him without it. Born fully grown with a mustache. No, none of us are born fully grown. We're born as babies, and we start off the same way spiritually. But we can't stay babies, amen? Now you got to say a better amen. We can't stay babies. Amen. Amen. Now I know none of the babies are here tonight because this is the Wednesday night meat eaters club, and you guys are real serious. Let's talk about the babies. No, I'm just kidding. So maturity happens as we sit under the gifts and we choose to... Uh, allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. We are cooperating with the sanctification process, and it dictates how much we'll grow and how long it will take. I want you to hear that tonight. It doesn't have to take forever to grow spiritually. Some of us make it take forever. How many people would categorize themselves as slow learners? Just the pastor who's preaching. Praise God. <laughs> Sometimes I look and I'm, man, I'm a slow learner. But I'm gritty. I keep pushing in. You know, I don't quit. Amen. That's the one thing I got going. So I see some people pick stuff up so fast. Whether you're a slow learner or a fast learner, you know, cooperating with the Holy Spirit is what determines if the process is going to be, you know, forever or you never get there or it happens quick. Do you know the Apostle Paul, he, he was mentored for two years before he was released into ministry. But look what happened to that man in two years. He went from persecuting the church and killing Christians to converting people into the church and being, you know, one of the greatest apostles that ever lived. And and you say, well, it took two years. Yeah, even for this guy who got selected, handpicked, and, you know, and confronted and showed up and and ministered to, I mean, the miracles that it took to get Paul from uh, point A to point B, that's a miracle that that happened in two years, amen? Think about how much spiritual growth happens in the average Christian in two years. Some of us, some of us get worse. Two years later, I'm, you know, not everything gets better as time goes by. Anybody? I can barely see past the fourth row here. 
But spiritually, we can grow if we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I want to encourage you tonight, you know, get serious about your spiritual growth. Get serious about discerning what God is doing and how you fit into it and what the Holy Spirit's asking from you. And get busy doing it, amen? Because you'll grow and it'll be exciting. Well, you know, I'm not excited about Christianity anymore. Jump in, roll up your sleeves, get in the river, amen? Get, get where the water's moving. <laughs> Statues, praise God. But it's up to us, you know, God's got stuff for us. But if we resist and we're stubborn and we're, we're slow and we're distracted, it can take a long time. Uh, it says here that, you know, uh, as a result, we are no longer children. We must choose to embrace the maturation process, choose to grow up in the Lord and to take our place in the body of Christ. You know, we see a lot of grown people who never grew up. Come on, Wednesday night. You know who I'm talking about. You know, people that they're still immature. They're still self-centered. They're still all, you know, they have wives and they have children and they have spouses and families and responsibilities, but they're still like babies. And all they think about is themselves and they act like babies. We're a generation of grown, you know, grown people that act like kids. Playing video games, you know, you got big bald spot there, you're playing video games. <laughs> Worrying about the toys you're going to buy and, you know, well, I got responsibilities and stuff, but I spent my money on it. And, and, and we, we don't grow up. And I'm talking about our culture right now, amen. Our culture is, is fixated on youth and how to look young and how to stay young and how to, you know, all of this stuff. And, you know, there's something beautiful about the person who grows up and grows into a mature saint with dignity. Amen. And part of it is a choice and we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, but no longer children. We've got to choose to embrace the maturation process. There's some marks of mature saint. A mature saint carries a cross and embraces burdens and responsibilities. Babies do not. Did you hear that? A mature saint is responsible not just for himself, but for others. Babies won't do that. You see, the church is never going to be the church if we're all just worried about ourselves. There's got to come a time where I'm good, and God, you keep working on me, but I'm going to be busy about doing kingdom things because there's people out there who are in, in rough shape, and they need somebody to minister to them. See, a baby won't think like that. No, just me and mine and comfort and pamper and, you know, burp me and feed me and change my diaper. Mm. A mature saint produces fruit and endures pruning and serves others. Babies do not. The first time a baby gets pruned, they are mad. I'm out of here. I don't like this. How, you know, it took me 10 years to make that apple. You cut it off. Talking about fruit, spiritual fruit, right? Well, what happens when you produce fruit? God prunes you. Only mature people put up with pruning. So there's some marks of the mature. There's some marks of children, and we need to discern if we're cooperating with the Holy Spirit. You say, how do we know if we're growing up in the Lord? Well, that's a great question. And I gave you three things at the beginning of this message uh, a mature Christian is, is 
shown by how they behave, how they sound, and how they look. So let's look at behavior here. How do we know if we're growing in the Lord? Well, we know we're growing in the Lord by the way we behave. The first mark of a mature Christian is stability, amen? And, and that's something that we have to see. No longer children, listen, tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. What is that describing there? Someone who doesn't have a foundation, someone who's not stable. Any old wind blows them over. Any old, you know, thing that comes at them shakes them, and, and they're constantly on a spiritual roller coaster, up and down, hot and cold, up and down. Come on. One day they're doing great, and they want to be in church, and they want to do something for God, and the next day they just about jump back into the world. What is that? That's instability. That's the mark of a baby. Mature Christians are stable, and that's what we have to understand. You know, and that's why the descriptive... You know, things here, tossed here and there by the waves. You know, we've all been in the ocean and, you know, uh, gotten tossed around by waves and, and, and realized that when you put yourself in certain positions, you're, you're powerless to resist. If you're in rough waves, I don't care how much you weigh, how tough you are, how good a swimmer you are. If you're in a, a riptide or you're in a current, man, you're just a cork in, bobbing along in the ocean, and understand, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a mature Christian, so I can put myself in, in this situation or that situation. Be careful. There's different levels of stability. Not everybody can go back to what they were delivered from and minister there. But understand, we need to be increasing in our stability. We need uh, to have this stability shown in our behavior. We are, we've all met unstable believers that are just constantly a hot mess. Maybe, maybe you're there right now, and you know what? It's okay. God loves you, but don't, don't stay there. Grow past that, amen? Learn to fight and learn to overcome and learn to, uh, you know, control yourself and, and, and put things in order in your life. Don't stay uh, unstable, Emotional and spiritual stability are marks of mature saints who have sat under the fivefold ministry gifts long enough to become spiritually solid. That's how you get there. See, hopping from church to church and coming every once in a while and not getting involved and using your gifts, that's a recipe to stay immature and unstable. Well, I'm preaching the truth tonight. I know it's, it doesn't give you goosebumps yet, but let's see what happens here. The text describes the opposite of what stability looks. It says, tossed here and there by the waves, being tossed around is not stability, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, uh, by the trickery of people, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. So tossed around and carried about. And I want you to see that those are the descriptors that show instability. Babies are tossed here and there by every new fad and fashion of spirituality. Look, I've been around a long time. I've been saved since I'm 14. I've been preaching since I'm 15. I've been involved in ministry since then. I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen it come and go. I've seen, you know, this new thing and this new preacher and this new worship and this new church. And look, a lot of times new is exciting. Can we say amen? But sometimes, you know, it's just, it's not solid spiritually, but babies run to it. Babies are enamored with it because they can't discern that there's something spiritually not right there. Oh, it's quiet now. Be careful 
about, you know, running here and there and getting involved in this and that and every new thing and every, well, this is exciting. You know, uh, babies are tossed here and there and they're carried about constantly looking for the next new and exciting thing, the next buzz, the next newly revealed doctrine, you know, doctrinal theological revelation. Somebody just discovered, no, listen, uh, these doctrines, that, well, that, this is a deep doctrine. No, it's not deep. It's just muddy. It's muddy because they muddied it up. You know, you got all these people out there trying to make a name for themselves, trying to make a niche for themselves. They got to write a book. They got to do a seminar. And a lot of times, there's no meat there, church. The meat is under the fivefold ministry, I'm telling you. Oh, but it's not exciting. There's no skinny jeans and big screens and smoke machines. I didn't make that up, but you've heard that before. So be careful, be careful. Babies are carried about. They're always running around looking for the next new thing. You know what? I hate to say this, but there's always moves of the Spirit, and we should be involved in them, and that's great. But there is no new thing. This is it. Love Jesus. Grow in Jesus. Stay in love with Jesus. Use your gifts, and eventually we're going to see Jesus. Huh. Well, that's it. That's it. So... Tossed here and there, carried about. The second half of verse 14 gives a vivid description of those who prey on the spiritually immature. And I want you to see this here. It says what? They're tossed here and there by the waves. They're carried about by every wind of doctrine. And now notice the doctrine, the apostles' doctrine, the solid doctrine of Scripture, that, that's not what he's talking about, wind of doctrine here. He's talking about false stuff. He's talking about things that are to try to trick the gullible. And it says it here, by that they're carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people. People by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So that's important. That's a vivid description there by trickery of people. So what's he talking about? False teachers want to trick people. Why? To gather people to themselves. Why? To fleece them and line their pockets. That's what it's all about. And that's why Paul warned us, and the, the, the New Testament warns us constantly there'll be false teachers. And that's what false teachers are all about. They're not just deceived. They're not just a little bit off. It's not that they, you know, they're in. No, they, they have wrong motives. And they found a niche, and they found a hook, and they wrote a book, and they got people's attention. And, you know, all of a sudden, uh, people dig into what's there, and there's, there's, there's no meat there. And so it's trickery of people by craftiness of deceitful scheming. Those trying to captivate the spiritually immature will be sure to use these four methodologies described here. Trickery, craftiness, deceitfulness, and scheming. You know, we could spend time, uh, you know, describing how each one of those plays out, but we're, we're not going to do that. But those are the mechanisms that they use, and the, their motives are wrong. So please be careful not to fall for the smoke and the mirrors, the glitz and the glamour of those who are obviously trying to merchandise the gospel and the gifts. You came for me tonight, didn't you? These aren't fish tacos. These are T-bone steaks you're getting tonight. So, you know... They merchandise the gospel and they merchandise the gifts. Buy this new book, buy this video, this program, this Bible study. Come to this conference, join this movement, leave your church, follow us, pay, pay money and we'll pray for you. Pay money and we'll give you a personal prophetic word. Come on. 
Now we're charging for the gifts. Now we're, now we're merchandising the gifts. Trickery, craftiness, deceitfulness, scheming. Those are the marks right there. Now, we know we're growing up by the fact that we're stable. These are the things that keep people unstable, and these are the things that suck immature Christians in. There again, I've been around a long time, and I've seen so many of them sucked into these vortexes with the trickery, with the scheming, with the emotionalism, and and just get spit out the other side, and their faith is just ravaged. Some of them don't make it. Some of them never come back to church. Some of them think that was Christianity. That wasn't Christianity. That was the false So stability. Number two, we know we're growing up in the Lord by the way we sound. So, you know, we have to sound a certain way. And verse 15 tells us how we have to sound. It's not that we need to speak in King James or use big words or use theological catchphrases. No, by speaking the truth in love. Did you hear that? That's what it is. Verse 15, by speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ. So let's look at this. You know, uh, our stability comes uh, by the way we behave, and so we have to keep our behavior in check. But we need to sound a certain way as mature saints. Mature saints will sound a certain way. Now, if you listen to children talking on the playground, and then you go over to a group of teens you know, talking at a, at a game at high school, and then you move over, over to a group of adults at a neighborhood barbecue, there should be a drastic difference in the subject matter, the dialogue, and the discourse of all those interactions. Do you hear what I just said? You got kids on the playground. You, if you've ever sat around, you know, when we had young kids, you'd see them playing, and you listen to the things they talk about, and you have to just, like, you have to turn your face and laugh sometimes. They're hilarious. They think they know everything. They make stuff up. They argue. You know, kids are, kids are hilarious. But then I've been at high school football games and basketball games, and I've heard, you know, teenagers saying stuff that I'm like, oh, you kiss your mother with that mouth. You know, come on, there's a different, you know, there's a different, and then, you know, then you're with the adults, and it should be different. And the way we sound reveals our level of maturity, Now, there again, you can have people who are fully grown and they still talk like children or they talk like teenagers or they talk like babies. So there should be a difference in our speech, in our communication, in our subject matter. But a lot of times we know people that don't grow up and don't uh, grow in the Lord and don't surrender their tongues. Uh, They don't sound like mature People, much less mature Christians. So, you know, the way we sound matters. Um, Notice I said in all those groups, there should be a difference. Adults that never grow up continue to whine and complain, and they're self-centered, and they're overindulgent, and they're vulgar. So, you know, our speech and the way we sound is going to reveal our level of maturity. The Christian who never grew up is still a complainer. When you get around someone who's a complainer, that that is a sure sign that they are immature. Now, I know life is rough and times are tough and there's a lot to complain about. Can anyone say amen to that? It actually takes discipline not to complain. Don't start looking holy on me out there now. I've had to cut way back on news and, and, and 
podcasts and things that I listen to. I, I pretty much listen to just a few things, a few preachers, some prophetic stuff, you know, but, but I, I can't watch it. Why? Because it's so negative. And no matter how filled with the spirit you are, how much you want to have a happy, clappy, positive attitude, some days there's nothing good going on. So we got to get out of that world and get into the secret place or get in the presence of God and tap into heaven where there's good stuff going on, amen, and just change the atmosphere of our lives. That's going to produce maturity in us. But listen, complaining is the number one sign of an immature Christian. If they're complainers and they're always complaining, that's not maturity. You know what? Another sign of an immature Christian is someone who's judgmental. You know, there's plenty of, you know, as we become spiritually mature, we become more discerning. So we're going to see flaws in other people easily. Why? Because we've grown past that. We're going to see flaws. And, and then, you know, the thing is, the trick is to, uh, you know, to see flaws and realize the reason God has let us see them is so we can pray for them, so we could minister to them, so we could reach out to them, so we could pull them up a level. Come on. Not so we could, you know complain about how you know ridiculous they are and then be judgmental and just it's so easy to get in a judgmental rut but it's a sign of immaturity also gossip is a sign of immaturity uh colorful coarse vulgar speech is a sign of immaturity you know all of us hit our finger with the hammer every once in a while and say stuff that we shouldn't now uh, nobody's mouth is perfect Everybody's uncomfortable. Nobody's mouth is perfect, but God needs to be working on us, amen? And, you know, someone who could curse a blue streak or make a Marine Corps drill, Sergeant Blush, probably needs to work on their spirituality a little bit. So, you know, these are some marks of of the immature, and it goes by the way we sound, complaining, being judgmental, gossiping, using vulgar speech and colorful language that, you know, uh, also immature Christians avoid the hard topics that require correction. And uh, they they don't want to be corrected and they don't want to correct others. They just avoid it. Immature Christians just want to keep everything superficial. There needs to be some depth to our Christian walk. Amen. That's why I love when we get together. You know, ladies, I know you have Bible studies. I don't know what goes on there. I get a little leftover food when she comes home. But I know good stuff is going on there. When we have men's Bible study, you know, everybody always says, well, you know, men, they don't share. Our guys won't shut up. I mean, they're just, it's just amazing the dialogues and the things that we have happen when, when we get together as men. So I know that, you know, we're, we're learning to get into the deep spiritual water and learn some deep spiritual things and be transparent with each other. That's a sign of maturity. And you know what? Once you get a taste of that, you want more of it. And when, when you want more of it, you're going to get more of it, and then you're going to grow spiritually, amen? Uh, if we see people stuck in criticizing and complaining and, you know, self-centeredness and negative speech patterns, you know, we, we've got to pull them up to the next level as, you know, to get them to a place of maturity, Amen? The Christian who never grew up is, is a judgmental complainer. In short, they don't sound like Jesus. He always spoke the truth, but he did it in love, amen? Do you realize we have to speak the truth, but we don't need to do it with a judgmental attitude? 
We have to speak the truth in love. It's amazing. Jesus could say something to somebody, and, you know, pretty much only the religious people couldn't handle what he had to say. The, everyone else would melt, you know. He would say, you know, you, you know to the woman at the well, you, you know, you, you have five husbands. She didn't argue with him. She didn't, you know, he would say, you know, to people, he would just say, you know, go and sin no more. He would, he, he would, he would just be truthful with people, amen, and they could take it. The religious crowd couldn't take it. Let that be a, a lesson to us, amen, that we never become so religious that we think we're beyond correction. That's a sign of immaturity. Someone that can't take criticism or can't take correction. Look, now I know nobody enjoys it. You know, we don't wake up in the morning and go, I hope people really criticize me today. I hope everyone just corrects me and I do everything wrong. No, we don't enjoy it, but we need to, mature people will tolerate it, amen? Especially if it's true. <laughs> if it's not true, just let it roll off. But if it is true, take it to heart and take it to prayer. So... The way we sound is important. Do we sound like Jesus? The mature saint will take risks to speak up for righteousness. You know, oh, I'm private about my faith. No, you're just a coward. Jesus never told us to be silent and private about our faith. He told us to go into the highways and the byways and the public square and to make disciples of all men. That means we have to bring up the gospel, which is a touchy subject, amen, in this world, and people don't want to hear it. But mature Christians will never do that because it's uncomfortable. I might get rejected. I might get, you know, fired. I might get hit. So a mark of maturity is that we'll share the gospel. We'll speak the truth in love. We'll, we'll share righteousness. The mature saint is willing to correct the crooked things, but is wise enough to do it in love and humility. Look, sometimes we have to speak up and we have to correct crooked things, sinful things. But look what Galatians 6.1 says here. And, and this is talking about within the body of Christ. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a fault or a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself least you also be tempted. So look at what it says there. It says if you're mature and you see a brother or sister in a fault, you, you need to not ignore it, but you need to speak up and try to pull them up a level, amen? And when you do it, make sure you stay humble and you don't come across like, you know, you got it all together because that pride will open up your armor and the enemy will sink an arrow in you. And before you know it, you'll be the one that needs to be corrected and you'll be the one that needs to, you know, get back in order. So we take the risk, mature Christians take the risk to say things to people, you know, that, that, that need to be said. And we need to get more of that in us, amen, more in our generation. Thank God for, you know, the church is waking up. We're speaking up. Thank God, you know, voting at the school board elections. I don't know all the results and everything, but we, we, we got out there and we made a mark. And we're speaking up, amen, and that's what the church needs to do. Amen. So we know we're growing up by our stability. We know that we're growing up by the way we behave. We know that uh, we're growing up by the way we sound. And the last thing I want to cover is we know that we're growing into mature Christians by the way we look. Now, this is a loaded one <laughs> because too many times, uh, 
It says we are to grow up in all aspects into him. Did you hear that? Into him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus. So at the end of the day, we're supposed to look like Jesus. Are you guys writing or? Yeah, okay, I'll say it again. We're supposed to look like Jesus. Yeah, we are. We are to grow up. I love it. It says there, we are to grow up. Don't you want to just look at people sometimes and say, grow up? When I, when I was young, I heard that several times. Grow up. It's always productive to yell that at somebody. You usually grow up right away. Grow up in all aspects. Okay, that's important, in all aspects. So in every way, into him, into him who is the head, that is Christ. So the way we should look is we should look like Jesus. Now, growing up according to this verse means that we're going to look like Jesus when it's all said and done into him. It's not an outward thing, but it's an inward thing. We're all not going to look like Jesus. You know, or, you know, the more we get like, my beard is growing. I'm wearing sandals and robes. My hair's getting longer. Oh, he's starting to look like Jesus. We don't even really know what he did look like. But understand this, it's an inward thing. It has nothing to do with the outward. It has nothing to do with the exterior. It's an interior change that we are conformed to the image of Christ. Now, the religious crowd has always been infatuated by the exterior, by the outward. They, they, they have a religious look. The Pharisees had it. They had clothes and they had phylacteries and they would puff them up and they would wear, you know, special things on their head and uh, the mezuzah and they'd have this thing and the, the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments bolted right to their head and they would go out there and they'd have their big flowing robes and everybody look at me. The religious crowd loves the exterior to the point where Jesus said, you're whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. You guys look good on the outside, but inside you're morally rotten. Ouch. So understand, you know, it's not about the outward. It's not about how Christians dress to distinguish themselves. You know, and I, I grew up, you know, our dress in church now is a lot more laid back than it was even when I grew up. You know, I, I grew up going to, uh, I grew up going to, to uh, religious school systems, Catholic school, Christian school, Bible college, all that stuff. I've been wearing a tie since I was a kindergartner. That's why I don't wear one anymore. I got PTSD from it, and now I'm being, I've been delivered. But I remember in kindergarten, they clipped a tie on me because, why, that's the way a Christian looks. In the Bible school, tie and jacket and suit, and your, your hair's got to be cut up here like this, and you got to have the shoes, and you got to, that's the way a Christian looks. Thank God that we've grown up a little past that. Now, I'm not saying we should come in here uh, on Sunday looking like hobos, you know, flip-flops and tube tops and... Come on, Wednesday night. You know, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, looking good when you come into the house of the Lord. But it's not an exterior thing. Thank God we're not focused on the exterior here, amen. Whether you got jeans on or a suit on, you got a tie on, you got a Sunday go to meet and hat with the flowers, praise God. Just come, amen. But it's not about the pomp and the circumstance and the wardrobe choices. Some places it still is, and they're really not places that I want to be. 
So we're to look like Jesus, and that doesn't mean beards and robes and sandals. It means inwardly that we, we act like him, we think like him, we, we move like him, and he moves through us, amen? Um, as much as possible, the Holy Spirit wants to make that happen. I've said this many times. The point of God working in our lives is not to make a better version of us. Oh, look at Rick with his hair combed in a suit. That's the best version of Rick. No, it's not. It's just Rick in a suit. His heart's the same. His attitude's the same. His mouth is the same. Hello. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not about that exterior thing. Uh, It's not about making a better version of Rick. It's not about, you know, making the best version of ourselves. I've seen some things about this on the Internet just recently in Christian circles, the, the best version of you. Let me tell you something about the best version of you and the best version of me. We're still sinners needing a Savior, needing to be conformed to the image of Christ, amen. The, the best version of me doesn't cut it. The text makes the point that we're to look like Jesus, what, in all aspects. Did you see what it said that there? It's an important thing. Grow into all aspects into him. That means every part of us, not just the spiritual aspect, not just the theological aspects, the whole package. Listen, uh, listen to Romans 8, 28 through 29. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, there it is, into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's the point of the drill. Not to make a better version of you or a better version of me, but that we be conformed into the image of Christ, who is God's prototype of what a Christian was supposed to be. And so we have to ask ourselves, you know, every day, Uh, Am I being conformed? Am I cooperating with the Holy Spirit? Do I behave like him? Do I sound like him? Do I look like him? That's a mark of maturity. That's how it happens sitting under the fivefold ministry gifts. Um, So, you know, we have to ask ourselves, how, how would Jesus act? Not just at church, but how would Jesus act at home? How would Jesus act behind closed doors? How would Jesus act in traffic? How would Jesus act at the workplace, on the job site, and fill in the blank? How would Jesus act? You know, the, we need to get our what would Jesus do bracelets out. What would he do? How would he sound? Well, you know, and that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to conform us into. The title Christian is one that many claim. Many people say, I'm a Christian, but Christian means little Christ. So that means we have to start looking more like Christ every day that we walk with him. Amen. And we have to ask ourselves and be honest, am I looking more like Jesus? Am I getting better or worse? I wasn't asking, I was just saying. But understand that's the point of the drill, that we would look like him, that we would sound like him, that we would behave like him. Verse 16, I'm going to just finish up, and it gives us a snapshot of what the body of Christ, how the body of Christ was intended to function. Listen to verse 16. This is all about the body of Christ. That's you and me all joined together with Jesus as the head. It says this in 16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So 
So a lot of moving components there. I'm going to summarize what just happened in verse 16. I'll give you three takeaways from verse 16 to close down the message tonight. Number one, the church works best when everyone does their part. Amen. And everyone uses their gifts that God gave them to grow to full maturity. So how's the church going to work if everyone embraces the sanctification process and grows to full maturity and then works together as a team? Is that going to happen 100%? Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, amen? You know, I see lots of spots and wrinkles even in my own life, so I know he's working on me. I know he's working on you. Are we ever going to be perfect? I don't think so, but you know what? His grace is enough. But we can sure do a lot better than we are. We can sure do our part. We can sure, you know, roll up our sleeves and get involved and be useful in these last days to bring in the harvest. So the church works best when everyone does their part. Number two, as the body grows, the church's capacity to love increases. And that brings the gospel to the world in a way that produces salvation. Look what it says here, being fitted and held together. From, what, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by every joint supplied according to its proper working. Each individual part causes growth in the body for the building up of itself in love. So the more the church becomes mature, the more loving it's going to be, amen? Churches that are clicky, churches that are judgmental, churches that are, you know, uh, just so regimented that there's no, you know, th there's no warmth there, that, that's not love, the more we get, Jesus was all about love. But even, when, even when he would say things that would totally, you know, dismantle a person, he said it in love and they walked away feeling loved and they walked away knowing that they heard the truth. So the more mature we become and the more we use our gifts in the body, the more the church can show love. And listen, that's what saves the lost. The lost don't need another book. They don't need another concert. They don't need another, uh, they don't need another preacher. What they need is uh, the body of Christ to start loving the lost, amen? And love will draw them in, and love will bring them to the cross, and Jesus will take it from there. Number three, the third takeaway and the final one tonight is we should be praying not just for ourselves or our own churches, but we should be praying for all the church, all the leaders and all those with fivefold ministry gifts to do their part in the body of Christ. We are truly in this all together. Denominationalism has fragmented the body. Some people are more into their denomination than they are into Jesus. And I see this. Uh, I see it in the church still. It's a lot better than it was, thank God. You know, I think God is preparing us to be the people of God and to, you know, to all work together to do, uh, you know, kingdom things. But, you know, fragmenting the body is like, well, I'm not praying for that person. They're not my pastor. I'm not listening to you. You're not my pastor. Uh, you know, I mean, this is not the denomination that I go to. Really? Is that the type of body that's going to bring in the harvest is that the type of body that jesus can rapture and take home to him wow division 
needs to go and unity needs to take its place. So we need to start praying for every church that preaches the gospel, every pastor that is preaching the gospel, every church. Well, I don't care what they look like, sound like, uh, the other things about their theology. If they're preaching Jesus Christ and they're bringing in souls and people are getting saved, pray for those ministries, amen? If they're teaching the truth of God's word, uncompromised. And we got a lot of churches in the Hudson Valley that are preaching the truth, amen? This is like selling pork chops to rabbis here. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you tonight that you not only saved us, but you accepted us the way we were, but you love us too much to leave us that way. So you sanctify us by the Holy Spirit. You are bringing us from babies to mature saints. Father, we decide tonight that we want to cooperate with the process 110%. Father, where we've been stubborn and resistant, where we've been worldly, where we've given ourselves license to to sin or, or license not to be productive in the kingdom, Father, we repent tonight. God, bring each of us to the place of maturity so we can do our part, so we can be like Jesus about kingdom things, amen. Father, in all the distractions of the world that are unproductive for us, Let us lose our taste for them. Father, for the things that you've blessed us with here that are to refresh us and to revive us, let us enjoy those things, but let it be the kingdom first in all of our lives. Start with me, Lord God. Father, if we can get some pastors who are more concerned with salvation and and the kingdom and and the body than denominationalism, boy, we we, we would see this world turned upside down and we'd see revival. So let it be, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo!